I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody Ben! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to if you win by one, you've won. The throne went over the side of the first. It is time to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question What the fuck is going on? At last, we're seeing the glorious advantages of Brexit that they told us about. We were promised that we would take back control if we left the EU, and that's exactly what's happened, because I was terrified that we were losing control of the amount of tomatoes and spring onions in the country, and now we can count them easily, as there are only five or six. And this is wonderful, because there are shortages of salads and fresh fruit across the country, and I hate salad, so I would like to personally thank Mr Johnson and Mr Farage because I can't stand even looking at lettuce. I hate it. Now, the advice from the government on dealing with the food shortage is to replace the old vegetables with turnips. But this should only be the start. We should replace bananas with tree sap. Instead of whinging about the lack of fruit, we should march into the forest and learn to break off the bark of an elm tree and lick the inside of the wood. And before long, we'll forget we ever enjoyed crazy things like an orange or a grape. And if there's a shortage of sausages, then we should embrace the opportunity to hunt a goat in a city farm. And there might be a school outing that you'll have to avoid, but the children will be fascinated to see someone steady themselves at the gate and fire at the animals before taking it home to be barbecued. And... We were losing our traditions under the EU. For example, there has been a great tradition here for hundreds of years of war of some sort between Britain and Ireland. It's been as much a part of our heritage as scones and moaning about the drizzle. But in recent years, we've lost all this. But since we're no longer in the European Union, everybody in Ireland is screaming and fuming at each other again. Nobody knows where the border should be, which is what caused the conflicts before. So we've been able to go back to our lovely old custom of wondering when people will start blowing things up again. Now, I don't pretend to understand anything much about the complicated nature of the Northern Ireland Protocol and the agreements with the EU, which still haven't even been half resolved. But I do remember that the people who ran the Leave campaign, when they were asked about it, made statements such as, oh, that'll be the simplest arrangement ever, which reminds me of the time somebody I know bought an easy-to-assemble cupboard from Ikea. Watch this, he said. It'll be done in five minutes. And three hours later, surrounded by screws and ratchet nodule-turning pinions and dowel-rod flinching gurret D, he laid on the carpet and sobbed. And it's just so reassuring that we've done the same thing with the Northern Ireland Protocol. And on top of that, we've got our dark blue passport back as well. Not only that, Recently, I came back from France on the Eurostar, and I was playing a game on my iPhone in which I had to destroy the evil forces of Demon World. Now, in the old days, I'd have had to keep stopping the game and show my passport and move forward, going through all the different bits you have to do at the customs, possibly losing crucial points. But thanks to the selfless work of people such as Pretty Patel and Dominic Cummings, I had to wait an hour and a half in a queue without moving, and I was able to keep playing without being distracted in any way at all. 
Now, one issue that the Leave campaign spoke about was the number of regulations that businesses had to deal with as members of the European Union. They'd regularly hold up forms and say, this is what we have to comply with. But this was nowhere near enough. Now, instead of wasting time moving goods in and out of the country, businesses can spend their time more productively filling out a 700-page form explaining which of 34 different customs arrangements apply to the box of pickled onions that they're trying to import. And while we were in the EU, we were restricted from being able to behave as we wanted. For example, one of the most bizarre regulations we were forced to abide by was that our water companies had to pump sewage into sewage plants. Now, at last, they're free to pour sewage into the sea where it belongs. And we've taken back control of our borders. Not only have we taken the control back, in a few years, we'll have extended our borders by adding 20 miles of sewage to our coastline, where before there was only a useless lump of sea. It's all going very, very well indeed. What the fuck? The shortage of fruit and vegetables has led to rationing in some supermarkets, which has understandably upset a lot of people, especially this woman who I overheard in a cafe. Well, I heard Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain say there's a shortage of fruit and vegetables, so I sent the nanny to buy up all the tomatoes because I need two punnets for my spider plant bruschetta and another ten punnets to throw away so that the Mandevilles won't have any for their wretched dinner party that I wasn't invited to. But the silly girl came back from Waitrose and said they're rationing them, so she could only have seven. I said, well, you'll just have to go to Cyprus, won't you? They've got plenty there. And she asked, how will I get there? And I said, well, you'll just have to hide in a lorry or however it is you got here in the first place. So she stormed up to her room and I called after her, you better not lie on your bed because Nectarine's using it for a school project to grow watercress. She said, why is she using my bed to grow watercress? I said, it's ideal conditions because it's so damp. And she just started crying in Albanian. And Colin's been under a lot of pressure lately because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area and they were planning to launch a new armadillo and kumquat flavour. But now there's a shortage of kumquats. So to recover from the stress of it all, He's had to go for a long weekend in Paris instead. And Tara's nowhere to be seen. And whenever I ask the other mums at the spin class about her, they change the subject and start talking about their kitchen extensions. But that's the trouble with some people. It's just me, me. Excuse me, this organic vegetable salad doesn't seem to have any vegetables in it. Now, anyone who has even begun to think about considering the issue of what the fuck is going on knows that you need expert advice. And it was my absolute joy to welcome Shazia Mirza as my uh, connoisseur of what the fuck is going on this. Like, like a little, like, to what the fuck is going on this, like those sommelier people who are one of the only people who can sniff a wine and tell you which vineyard it comes from in Bordeaux. Shazia, hello. Hi. Hello. You, uh, so you have been, um, how, how, how long have you been going as a stand-up now? That, um, that's a terrible question to ask, but I get asked that all the time as if that's the most, it's a sort of comedy version of when people go, oh, he's 103. It's amazing. I get that. <laughs> oh, you've been going so long, people say to me. So uh, I, I, I've been going about 15 years. I think people are scared to say how long they've been going in, in case someone turns around and goes, God, you've been going 15 years and you're still shit. Um, but it's about, and you're, it's 15 years. <laughs> I'd almost admire that if someone went, 
Well, with me, I've been going about 40 years. If someone said to me, God, you're going 40 years and you're still shit, I would actually, I would actually, I would actually really enjoy that. Now, Shazia, before you were entertaining the masses, so you were a teacher, is that right? I I used to be a teacher. I used to be a science teacher. I taught in Tower Hamlets, Dagenham and Enfield, all of which are very difficult schools, not like Highgate or Haberdashers. These are real schools with real people, yeah. real problems. And the main problem was is that the kids didn't want to be there, neither did the teachers. And that was a big problem because um, it was just challenging for everybody. But it's quite something, isn't it, that there's an institution where everyone on every side doesn't want to be there. So it, it probably would be better if they just sent everyone away, wouldn't it? Yeah, but what are we going to do? I mean, kids have to go to school and there has to be teachers teaching in those schools we can't we can't all teach at nice schools or private schools or you know it's just we have to teach somebody has to teach these kids somebody well, has to do that job. Be, it could be done would couldn't it but i suppose you need it you need a whole different um way of thinking you know a way of thinking that goes oh like what is it that will engage these kids because even because i bet you used to engage with the kids didn't you sometimes well, because I left university and I did a PGCE and this when I finished my PGCE, this was the first job I ever went into was teaching 16-year-old boys in Tower Hamlets and Dagenham. So I'm 21 or 22 and they're 16. There's not much of an age gap. Right. And um, at that time in the uh, like early 2000s, it was, it was a difficult – it was a difficult – area to teach in those areas you know um they had a couldn't lot you of sort of then get with problems. science wouldn't they couldn't you teach them to blow things up they'd have liked I that. didn't I, listen I didn't need to teach them they were doing that <laughs> oh that'd be that great what they go, were doing. No, no, miss. let me teach you about how like I don't know what is it what's let the me teach you how what's to make a bomb. White uses. What's the thing in the, the, the in the famous Breaking Bad episode? See, yeah, there was, and he there was blows up like the, so the drug dealer's office, doesn't he? With it, probably magnesium and nitric acid. Yeah, I mean, and um, <laughs> I mean, but you know what? When they this is strange. They're not. They weren't meant to be blowing things up, obviously. Um, but oh. when they did, it did create a bit of excitement mm. and you know colors and smells <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and things for them to look at and yeah. in a way that was engagement because they were engaging in something that was happening that's a wonderfully new liberal attitude towards education <laughs> but, now but, now but, you know, burnt the school down but he did write a very right. nice essay about the pretty <laughs> but they were totally the engaged <laughs> and they will never forget that incident for the rest of their lives <laughs> the minute you intellect something you lose them but what do you the mean minute, by intellectualized though do you mean like the if minute you... like if the minute you start giving them masses of intellectual numbers and information oh, right, yeah. that loses the child whereas if you try to be more creative with the subject especially science which is what i you know i used to try and do for instance when i was i was teaching the periodic table i used to get them to dress up as various elements all right <laughs> so <laughs> what would you dress up as how could you dress like, up as sulfur so, so dress up as a match so, uh, like if somebody was carbon that means right. carbon is generally black 
So I would get them to wear all black and, you know, if it had like a mass number of 12, atomic number six or whatever, I would get them, um, if they had a heavy mass number, I'd get them to dress up in black and then stuff things in their clothes to show the mass. If you're just talking, if you're standing at the front of the classroom just talking about sodium and sodium, you could Mm. be talking about bananas or mud or anything. They can't relate to it. I want to do that. I think that would be a brilliant sort of drama workshop and all the kids go, Oh, miss, I'm just sort of not. I don't feel that my. I don't feel that copper would behave like this. I just wonder uh, whether you know. Can, can you sort of just give me more motivation? You know, uh, I can. Uh, maybe um, if I. Okay, but why don't you try and be tin? Yeah. And like related to all things tin, like the tin man, a baked bean tin, you know, things that they know and they can kind of grasp and and visualize. If you stand at the front of the classroom like they did 25 years ago and just teach the periodic table, you you don't know anything about it apart from the facts and the information. And so that's why we have people in government that have a lot of facts and information but really can't do the job. Now, Shadia, so you mentioned the government. Indeed, here is a government yeah. thing that's happened. I'm not just asking you this. You know, I would ask, ask whoever was on this week this this very question, unless you, you think it's been bigging you out. But Jemima Bagan, right? So she is um, she is going to be without any state at all. That seems a bit strange, doesn't it? Well, I mean, I taught in a school in Tower Hamlets down the road from where Shamima Begum went to school. Right. All right. Uh, Yeah, right down the road. There was only, in Tower Hamlets, there was just like an amalgamation, really, of a few schools, about six or or seven schools in the area. I taught in one. Shamima Begum was down the road in another school. It had the same demographic of students, same backgrounds. They lived in the same area in Tower Hamlets. They were most of the girls I taught were Bangladeshi girls. Shamima Begum was a Bangladeshi girl. Same background, same parents, same upbringing. So I know about a girl Shamima Begum and girls like her because I spent a long time teaching these girls. Also, you know, she's from a Muslim background, so am I. I know about um, being brought up in this family environment. I know about the pressures of being a girl, being brought up in this environment. And I totally understand why she did what she did. I don't think she did the right thing. I don't agree with it. I think she, she made a stupid mistake. But I totally understand why she did it. And in in 2015, I wrote a show called The Kardashians Made Me Do It, which was about why I thought the three girls from Bethnal Green went to go and join ISIS. Right. And what I said was that, for me, this 15-year-old girl going to join a terrorist organization, which is, is, you know, Islamic State, um, she's Muslim, she's from this background, Um, I said, she didn't go for religion or politics because when you are 15, um, nobody, no 15-year-old is interested in religion or politics. They are not. They are interested in sex and boys and romance and love. And she, I believe, went because she was from this Muslim background. She was never allowed to have a boyfriend. 
never allowed to go to nightclubs, never allowed to dress like her white friends, wasn't allowed the liberal freedoms of a white Western girl. And these young ISIS men, a lot of them whom were very good looking, um, very attractive, they started talking to these girls online. And that is an important point that they were Muslim and she was Muslim because it legitimizes what she did, what she did, because her she would say then, you know, I went over, you know, she, she got she went over there. She was married. She she was married yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah. She had yeah. three kids over there. If it if it was just about religion or politics, why are you 15? And the minute you land over there, you get married. And you have kids because when you're over here in Britain, you didn't do that. So why did you do that when you went over there? Because they were romanticized and they fantasized and therefore they were radicalized by these young men because they offered them a life they could never have over here. So but I think there are two have... separate arguments here, Shazzy. Right? There's one is a sort of understanding why someone does what she did, and that's one thing. And you don't, you, you can't deal with anything unless you try to understand the thought process yeah. of why somebody did something. But then there's a second question, which is, even if you regard what she did as just simply unforgivably evil, and that's it, I'm not saying you, you know, that's what I'd say, but even if you do think that, you can't... <laughs> It makes no sense at all to then go, therefore, she's not British, as if somehow there is no such thing as a well, British person who can there are many, crime. There are many factors here which really annoy me. Sajid Javid, who was the Home Secretary at the time, um, same background as Shamima Begum. I know he doesn't practice Islam, he's not Muslim, but he's from a Muslim background. His parents were Muslim. He's Asian. He was brought up in this country in Bristol. He knows what he would know what it's like to be brought up as a girl uh, from that culture and that background. He was Britain's first Asian Home Secretary. No previous British Home Secretary had ever revoked anybody's passport. David Blunkett had never jacked, jack, take off your veil straw, had never. Theresa May had never revoked anybody's passport. Along comes, you know, Uncle Sajid Javid, one of my lot, who should be more sympathetic and more understanding to Shamima Begum because he should understand the background she's come from. And he revokes her passport, making her stateless. And a part of this is political because... He was trying to get brownie points from people, the British public who would never normally vote for somebody like Sajid Javid. He was trying to get those people on his side by revoking Shamima Begum's passport, making her stateless, and then getting these people on his side, going, oh, God, Sajid Javid, you're such a brilliant Home Secretary. You, you've been great revoking her passport. I just straight Sajid, Sajid Javid was the MP for Bromsgrove, where uh, my mum lives and she was in hospital around about Christmas in the, the Christmas before last and uh, he came round to the hospital on the on Christmas morning there was a picture of me mum in the local paper with him so I apologize <laughs> I apologize for that I don't know if I don't know if my mum raised with him the points that you've made this morning she might have done <laughs> she was 97 at the time he might have told her he wouldn't tell me no no, I think she. I, oh God! And then she's of course she's got. Oh yes, he was ever so nice. He poured a cup of tea, and then yeah. uh, and she said she was that I was her son, and he said, "Oh yes, well I'm sure we disagree on some things, which, <laughs> which may well be the case." <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> 
Um, but Shazia, so thank you so much for illuminating us as to what the fuck is going on. It, one of the most tricky subjects there is. And what are you doing? Where can we just see you and hear you? Well, we can't. Well, I'm coming to the end of my tour. Right. I'm coming to the end of my tour now. It's called Coconut, right? And um, it's I've got two tour dates. One is at the Cornerstone in Oxford, Didcot, Oxfordshire, on the third. Oh, I know of that March. place. Yeah, brilliant place. And then the other one is at the Birmingham Rep on the 11th of March. Birmingham, beautiful theatre, that. I know, it's lovely. Right in the middle of a not very pretty place, all in that new streety sort of bit. where. Oh, they've done it up now. It looks quite nice now that it's finished. Is it? They've been doing it up for about 200 years. I know, but it's finished now. Since the Lunar Society met there. It looks great. Is it? They've got Malala to open the library. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. I hope she wasn't run over trying to cross the road, (laughs) which usually happens. I think what they really wanted was Nadia from the Bake Off, but she was busy, so they got Malala in. Well, okay, and that's and, and what did she open? The, the, she opened the Birmingham Central Library, the big building. By right, the right, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I really like I really like Birmingham, but I just think having a mo- having a series of motorways through the middle of the city just does tend to make it slight. No, 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 Mark. That's the attraction. Spaghetti Junction is the attraction. People come from miles around to look at Spaghetti Junction. What I can find so if you're driving through Birmingham to somewhere, there's that thing where you go, oh, I can see, oh, there it is. There's the place I'm going to, there. And then you don't quite come off the right turning on the underpass. And so then what you have to do is drive to fucking Telford and back, a 120-mile round trip to get back to the other side of the road. That's why you shouldn't drink when you're driving, because it's just chaos. It's so much straightforward when you're sober. Oh, just one illiberal <laughs> law after the other. You can't do anything these days. Thank you very much for explaining what the fuck is going on, Shazia Mirza. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. John Cleese recently announced that 40 Towers would be making a comeback. Now, a lot of people have questioned whether this is a good idea. And I have to say, I'm not an expert on 40 Towers, but luckily we have with us somebody who is. George Galloway. Let me put it to you, John, please. Your decision to fabricate a sequel to your iconic series, Faulty Towers, is worthy of your impetuous, irreverential imagination. And as such, I have submitted my own script for your perusal. The episode commences with Manuel, the hapless Spanish waiter, and as such is an allegory of the courageous masses of the Spanish Republic in their just and mighty war against the fascist oppressors. When Basil taps Manuel upon the head with a spoon, he has a flashback to his time fighting with the peasants of the Durati column in Barcelona and takes over the hotel establishing a collective, along with Polly. Basil responds by administering a tank, employing the full weight of his fascistic powers, but the tank is antiquated and thus will not start. So he disembarks and hilariously thrashes the tank with a nearby branch. (laughs) However... Despite sending this script over two weeks ago by registered post, I have yet to hear back 
from your uncommunicative office. But, Basil Forty, if that is indeed your real name, is why I shall not be watching your tawdry and avaricious attempt to capitalise upon your despicable creation, and shall instead spend the evening watching reruns of Punchlines, starring Lenny Bennett on Challenge TV. Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or to really know what's going on, for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad free version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week, for example, there's Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chisler's Peccadillo talking about one of the Queen's hidden talents. And you'll get discounts on live shows, details of which are coming up in a minute. Uh, Also, you'll get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait miserably and in a, a forlorn stupor of despair and melancholia until Saturday morning. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. It is the time of the week when I I read out the announcements, the most wondrous, creative, imaginative part of anybody's week when it comes to announcements. There are some people, I think, who are frustrated performers. They are maybe just a little bit, they feel a little bit restricted and quite have the confidence to go out and and sing or to, to write a screenplay for a film. And so they do announcements, those people, and then they love it and they get a little bit over the top with it. And they the ones on the trains and they go, hello, I'm, uh, uh, I'm Nigel and I'm going to be your train manager for the day. <laughs> yes, that's my job. Well, somebody's got to do it, I suppose. And I'm going to be reading out and you think, oh, Nigel, I know, mate, I know that you really wanted to get into RADA. I know that every time you see Derek Jacobi in King Lear, you think that could have been me. After all, I ran out all the station stops from Stafford uh, right down. And I, I remembered to include crew, uh, Warrington Park Key. Uh, all the way, uh, Wigan, all the lot of them, right up to Carlisle. So I don't know why I didn't get the job as King Lear. Uh, I, I know they get frustrated, but I, I've got to do the announcement. So I could get one of those people in, couldn't I, to do, to do this. But anyway, here are, here are the announcements. First of all, we have a live show, ladies and gentlemen, of the podcast world, Podcasties. We have a live show coming up at Leicester Square Theatre in London's glittering Leicester Square where sometimes you see people like Angelina Jolie walking around on red carpets with all the click, clickety click of the cameras and so on. And well, that might well happen on Sunday, the Mar- uh, Sunday, March the 19th. Um, but uh, anyway, you'll have to get past them and get past security. Uh, you won't really. And there will be the Leicester Square Theatre and tickets are £20 plus the usual completely unjustifiable booking fee. Uh, and there are discounts for higher tier Patreon supporters. To buy tickets, go to www.lestersquaretheatre. Uh, you know how to spell square and theatre. Leicester is E-I. Very important. Otherwise, you'll go to the wrong one, the Leicester Square Theatre, uh, which is probably some sort of live sex show on the other side of Berwick Street or something, and you'll think, well, I didn't really expect this. What the fuck is going on, you'll say. So, 
leicestersquaretheatre.com or follow the link on our Twitter page. And that's the next. There's about, I don't know, most of the tickets are gone, but there's still there are still some left. So that's at 7pm on Sunday, March the 19th. And Mike Concrete's going to be there. He's promised to come along. George is coming along. So Fred and uh, Nadine and um, uh, all the people from the, and Elliot still will, will be there being rude and probably turn up late and be drunk. So uh, we, will, we will all be there for that. Now, uh, also, I'm on I'm on tour generally doing my usual things. And uh, let's see, what date shall I tell you about here? There's 40, 39 dates left. I won't go through them all. Oh, that would be like Nigel would do that. We, the, the next performance stops will be at Chipping Norton, Stour Bridge, Milford Haven. They would do that. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'll tell you about a few of them. That, uh, I'll paint on the 25th of March. There's, oh, there's only a few left there. Oh, I feel there's about eight higgledy-piggledy seats left in Maidstone at the Hazlitt Theatre uh, that no one seems to want to buy. Don't blame anyone. You'd have to sit on your own. Uh, and also, I think they're restricted view. So if you want to come along and see me, but only see half of me and be entirely on your own, Come along there. I suppose quite handy if you're a sniper and you're willing to take me out. No, you won't be. Won't be restricted. You'll be useless. Uh, uh, Bridport, then he's all gone. Uh, oh, I'm doing an extra matinee one in Bristol. There's a few of them left. Dundee, the Guardian Theatre, 28th of March. No one's coming to that. You can come along to that. There'll probably be so few of you that it won't even be worth me doing the show, and we'll just go out and have a pint. Um, Winchester sold out. Newtown. Uh, in on April the 1st, Newtown. Well, now, I know anything that happens on April the 1st, people go, I thought it was an April Fool. But I'm beginning to think it's an April Fool. That, no, there's quite a few people coming to that. But there are some tickets left. And Newtown's a very, very courageous town because it's in Wales, but it's not got a Welsh name. It's not called uh, Aberpon Clickety Clackety. So it's it's just called Newtown. And I should think it gets no end of of banter uh, in Welsh from all the other places. Uh, Stourbridge on the 2nd of April, there's a few few tickets left for that. Carmarthen, that's the other one no one's coming to, 15th of April. Um, oh, and then there's a, what about this? There are a few that were down and sold out, but in fact, the tickets have gone to Ticketmaster. So Ticketmaster, to, I don't know how this works, but somehow what has happened, so the Fairfield Halls in Croydon, the Story House in Chester, I think uh, the Tyne Theatre in Newcastle, uh, they looked like they were sold out, but Ticketmaster took all the bloody ticket. I don't know why or how this happened. This is the modern world. You used to go to the place and buy a ticket, and now they're subcontracted out to via GoGo or some bloody licensed tout or something. And uh, you, you don't, you know, you don't want to do that. Um, uh, Newcastle, fifth of May. Uh, Oh, I don't know. That's enough. If you go, if you look up Mark Steele tour dates, and uh, I'll be on there. And that, that see, I've I've announced myself. Stupid. What else have we got uh, from the good people of the podcast world? Uh, a number of questions. Mark Hush on Patreon asks, "How will we cope with a lack of salad?" I'm with you, Mark. I except I just detect a little hint of sarcasm there as if to say salad is an unnecessary object and now i was brought up in a world in which salad meant a leaf of lettuce and half a tomato cut into sort of into quarters and maybe a radish 
maybe that was quite radical in my world. Slices of cucumber, the round slices cut long ways. That was it. That was a salad. The first time I come across salad and people put like sweet corn in it, I thought, oh my God, I was amazed. I didn't think you could have things like nuts. You could have nuts and you could have a dressing on a salad. What? There isn't Heinz salad cream. I, it, was a, it was no less ridiculous to me as if someone gave you a salad and they just poured ginger beer all over it and then put a hamster in the middle. It was like, what? This isn't a salad. It's got a hamster in it. Haven't you ever heard of the famous hamster salad? No. I just couldn't believe it. Or if someone, or if a docker came in and pissed all over it. Oh, you must have heard of the old piss dressing, the docker's piss dressing. It's an old thing from the rustic rural France. Sweet corn. Things that taste of something, things that actually have more calories in than you use up by bending down to pick it up with your fork. It was um, so. I, I'm I'm still amazed every time I order a salad and there's like bits of boiled egg in it or some shit like that. I think, uh, oh my god, the imagination here! I was not brought up. I have said this many times. I think that until the age of seventeen, I ate nine separate items of food. Bacon, fried bread, mushrooms, chicken, cucumber, John West tinned salmon. What's that? Six. Heinz sponge pudding, um, uh, gravy, and angel delight. Kate Stevens on Twitter says, the 26-year-old son character is definitely my favourite uh, in the podcast. And yeah, 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 it's a very good character, the 26-year-old son. Um, in August, uh, I, I think we're going to get rid of that character and instead have a 27-year-old son character. But yeah, he is. Uh, he, he plays the insouciant, bored, irreverent, drug-taking, disappointing son extremely well. I think, and I can only give him credit for that. Alan Stowell on Patreon says, what the fuck is going on with what the fuck is going on shows in London? Why not up here in the north? I'm sick of it. Uh, Alan, I quite understand. We, we, I'm sure we will be going up to some other places. Now, one thing that doesn't change, whenever you put uh, on social media that you're doing some shows or everything, people always reply with, why aren't you coming here? Even if you are going there, I could say, I'm, uh, and then on the 23rd of, uh, on 23rd of May, I shall be in Oswald Street. And someone will reply, why aren't you coming to Oswald Street? What have you got against Oswald Street? Uh, I, I'm going to Newtown, which is not far from Oswald Street. Yeah, always got a Newtown, but never to Oswald Street. When I went to the Shetland, uh, the Shetland Islands once, I found an article in the uh, Shetland Gazette, whatever the local paper was, in which there were people from a little village that was outside Lerwick, which is the capital, saying, why is it that when people come to Shetland, they only go to Lerwick and they don't do their gigs down here? <laughs> that was... I think there's something really lovely about that, that someone comes to Shetland, like a band, goes to Shetland to do a show, and then people in a different bit of Shetland go, oh, yeah, they always go there to bloody Lerwick. That gets everything. They don't come They don't come to, a, to the village or Ockney Tickety Tackety Clock with a population of four. <laughs> uh, but we will be. I know that that's not fair to say that Manchester and Leeds and Sheffield are same as Ockney Tickety Tackety Clock. So we will be doing shows up there. We will, we will, I promise. Uh, but thank you very much to all of you. What the fuck? What the fuck?
Now, as anybody knows who has ever tried to find out what the fuck is going on, you need advice and counselling from across the generations, particularly the generation that is 26 and about six or seven months. Luckily, we have with us someone who was perfectly bred for the purpose, Elliot Hello. Steele. Hello. Hello. Now, what the fuck was going on last week when you were on this podcast? Because you sort of drifted off into a meandering world about conspiracy theories, and I thought, that's not like Elliot. Wouldn't do a joke, despite there being a very funny joke. And then it was revealed later on that, well, what did you put on Twitter? What did you tell the world? That I was on an edible. That you were on an edible? Yeah. So that's a sweet with dope in it. Cannabis. Yes, yes. So you come onto a podcast with a sweet with dope in it, and then in classic fashion, in the historic way that people who've partaken of the cannabis weed will then dribbled on about conspiracy theories, just yeah. like just like someone who who I don't know who swallowed some sort of uh, some cannabis plant from the garden in fourteen thirty will have gone. Oh, it's King Richard, man. He's like listening to us. But I don't think I was wrong on any of the things I said. No. Well, I don't suppose, you know, when, I bet when I was your age or when I was much younger than you, because I stopped, I stopped with the dope when I was about 19, but uh, <clears throat> when I was much younger than you and people would. I don't think that's true. I, uh, I've heard from a few people in comedy you used to like a spliff. No, I didn't. I, I don't know I didn't. I've heard from a lot, I've heard from a few people. Uh, it was, it was, uh, no, your dad, what was it? Someone said, no, your dad never did coke, but he did like a joint. And I thought, what a pussy. <laughs> What's going on saying that? And a few people I know from back in the day were like, oh yeah, you used to like a spliff. What, on stage? Yeah, we used to smoke it Not on stage. On, and then don't, don't, don't say on stage. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, gonna, yeah. like, right, first of all, sometimes. first of all, you could, no, you could smoke on stage. You could smoke cigarettes on stage. Yeah. And uh, and back then, everyone was fucked up all the time, apart from a few people. But if oh, there's, well, I never did. There's, I never did. There's a there's a in in the dressing room of the comedy store. Yeah. On the on the toilet door. Yes. It says the name of a comic and then sweet, as in it's the Mister name of that comedian sweet, yeah. right? Yes. Because that's where they would always go and do coke while hosting. Yes. So that so like. I was. I have never felt so naive as when I was doing a very big benefit with some quite famous people in about 1995, and uh, went to go to the toilet and went. Oh, sorry. In the sort of way that you do if you go into a toilet and there's someone sat there, and it was a very famous comic kneeling down, and I thought, "What are you doing kneeling down? You being sick?" I was just like your grand might be. <laughs> and then afterwards I thought, oh, yeah, there was stuff, wasn't there, lined up on the seat? Yeah. Oh, I see. You were doing... <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah, all that. Yeah, were they were they making uh, little noises while doing the lines to make out that they had just improvised the lines there and then? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving any clues as to it was. I can it work would be out. Better, exactly. It would be better if they were. Um, it, it would be better if they were actually improvising noises before I went in to pretend <laughs> that they were actually in the toilet <laughs> while they were having a snort. They were going. Ooh. <laughs> oh, 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 that's, oh, God, that's better. <laughs> there's a, 
but yeah, there's so, but um, I, I think, I know in a, in America, like everyone's stoned all of the time and on Xanax and stuff anyway. Um, and over here, it's not as big a thing. I know, I, I, I always think you have to be careful of like getting stoned doing comedy because you, when you're high and you write, you think what you're writing is yeah the greatest thing that has ever been made and you will look back on it the next day and go, yeah, no, sheep can't count. <laughs> like, what, what, what was that? <laughs> like, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, now, this is what I want to... I want to talk about these edibles because uh, edibles are sweets with dope in them. That, so let's get this straight because my generation doesn't understand this. Yeah, so you just... Uh, you can just... It, it's like a different kind of high because it reacts... I believe it's called detrihydrocannabinoid. Where it reacts, whereas there's tetrahydrocannabinoid, what? and then there's detri. Uh, so t- THC, right? You've got THC, so but then the other that one. When you've stoned out your, off your tits, uh, but it, it's you don't Petrified necessarily have to get if, when you the, 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 honey, you should, you, it, it's worth pheromonia. It's worth it's worth giving a try because what? you can get very low dosed ones. And it's just it, you don't have to smoke. You know, the pro- I think the thing. What the sweets problem- is it? Blackjacks? No, yeah, you can get like sherbet things. No, just like a uh, gummy bear. You can get cookies. <laughs> gummy bear. But the problem with the cookie, I ones, think they should, all it- them things they have in the cinema when you go in there, like the long snaky thing. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you can get them. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a, it's oh a no, we've mixed up. We've mixed up the the orders. We've got well, the wrong ones at Beckenham Odeon, and well, now the, all these seven year olds are <laughs> sat, there, sat there watching watching some Disney thing. Going, oh, mummy, I keep thinking that the wizard is upside down <laughs> and made of hippopotamus fur. <laughs> <laughs> So I was in, it was in Amsterdam. I went on my own, I was about 20. And I went to the, the Melkveg, the Milky Way. I don't know if that's still oh, yeah. going, I think it probably is. And there was a band on and stuff. And um, and I thought, oh, this is right, I went on my own. And they had space cake. And of course, I was so amazed that they, they just sell this stuff. And at those times, you got you if you wanted to buy dope, you went round to the back door of some filthy squat and bang, 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 bang on yeah. some sort of metal door and a bloke come out. Yeah, what is it, man? You know, and all that. And it was all seedy. So the fact that you could just go up to this counter just as if you were buying sort of a, uh, I, I don't know, just buying an ice cream <coughs> and say, oh, space cake, please, space cake. So he gives us this space cake. And I had this space cake. And then after about 20 You minutes, ate the whole thing? Yeah, I think you were meant to have one slice of this space cake. So I had the slice of space cake, and I thought, I don't feel any different at all. Absolutely. Only not. after 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So it I thought, takes like, you know, it takes like an hour and a half. Right. Well, I had another one. Like, or 45, yeah. I had another one, I thought. Oh, no. So I had a second slice of space cake. And I do remember, I still, all those years later, I still remember the bloke going, more space cake. <laughs> so, yeah, more space cake. So, I had me more space cake. And then I was sort of stood there watching this band and I thought still absolutely nothing. And then I thought, but I'm quite happy here. And I was looking up at the stars and that and thinking the stars, the sky, night sky is all very pretty. And I actually remember sort of looking back at the band and then thinking, I shouldn't be seeing stars. I'm indoors. And... uh, (laughs) And I looked up again. I thought, there's definitely stars. Why is the moon in this building? And uh, and I was a bit confused. And then I, I thought, oh, no, I don't like this. And then I, eventually I sort of left. 
And I thought, I'm going to go back to my little tiny dormitory thing that was about four pence that I bought. And I got a cab and I felt like I was going so fast. And I said, mate, I'm so, please slow down. Please, please slow down. I I was so fast. He was going, but we are not going fast. And then we turned a corner and for all the world in my head, it was like being in the the back of bloody... uh, Fucking Max Verstappen's bloody car as he's doing a particularly sharp bend uh, in the Brazilian Grand Prix. And I was going, mm-hmm. ah! <laughs> and, going and he he went, but we are going at uh, eight kilometers an hour. And, I was going, <laughs> and he had to crawl along so slowly because I was just terrible. I could just see everything just racing past. Fucking space cake. Yeah, that's what happens when you take too much. Yeah, it's, Never it's done like, that again. It's like uh, uh, Andrew Maxwell used to say a really good thing about like um, uh, like that chemically, all that sort of skunk stuff that was around a few years ago, which you, st- you don't really get, you can still get, but like now it's like there's actual weed. Um, is, uh, he's like, you're after a nice, with all of that sort of thing, what you want on a summer's day is a nice cold pint. And someone hands you that, and it's like they've handed you a lukewarm glass of whiskey. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's a different thing. So that's people's experience on it. Is they have a few, they feel ill, and then they go, that stuff's shit. And you go, well, yeah, you did it wrong. You did. It's like if the first time you went drinking, you just downed a load of Sambuca and threw up everywhere. For the purposes of legality, nonetheless, we don't advocate any of this. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Obviously, we do. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, absolutely, definitely write a review that takes you until past the next week's episode to write. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send a message to me on Twitter at WTF is going on pod at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck? is going on was hosted by me Mark Steele with my guests Shazia Mirza and Elliot Steele voices by Sarah Alexander it was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair the music was by Willie Dowling it was produced by Mike Bedwell what the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions <laughs>